Epic Sports Weekend comes to a close. The NFL draft was all the drama we expected it to be. The NHL season is wrapped up, and we had some interesting NBA series close out as we head into the semifinals now. This is episode 201 of The Next Best Bet. I'm Jake Higgins with Brett Levy. And Brett, we're going to talk a little bit more about the draft in a second, but just recapping how we did last episode. My NFL picks didn't do great. I went one for two, but that was because I assumed Evan Neal wasn't going to fall to the Giants. He ended up making it all the way down to seven, and the Giants got him. So I'm not mad about that loss, personally. <laughs> That's a good loss. Nice. Glad to see that, Higgins. Yeah, Sixers got it done for me on the Levy Lock, so I'm happy about that in a 500 episode. So, uh, Higgins, I think we'll make do and, uh, you know, move on uh, pretty okay with how we ended up. I also had two futures that went one and one because I picked series winners in the first round of the NBA playoffs. The Mavs did win their series. The Nuggets did not win their series against the Warriors, so it'll be interesting to see how those teams fare in the next round. Brett, jumping into our Beginner's Boulevard, though, real quick, I wanted to talk about a term called the Paroli system, and this is more common of a system that's used for, like, roulette or blackjack and within a casino, but it can also be used for sports betting, and it's a positive progression style of betting where you start with your original wager, and after every win, you double your wager amount, and then after three wins in a row, you go back down to your original wager amount. So it's a little risky, but it's a way to try to ride a hot hand. Fair enough, Higgins. I have no idea where you found the word parole system, but it's a, it's a good thing for me to sit here and understand. And um, look, I definitely know some aggressive gamblers, right, who like to do this in blackjack and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I, I've seen it done uh, on casino games before, for sure, Higgins. Interestingly enough, you'd assume the name Paroli, it's someone's last name that came up with this system, but it's actually not. It derives from some Latin words to come up with the term Paroli, and you can trace this term back all the way to like the 16th century, although it's unclear where it exactly started. So this is an old gambling term. Old gambling term here, uh, but fresh out the book on Next Best Bet. Absolutely. Brett, before we jump into our picks, we got to talk about the uh, NFL draft, specifically some winners and losers. And not only did you go one and two with your picks, but you got a good win with your Christian Watson under. But you have to be really happy with how the Jets did. Yeah, I think the Jets, uh, you know, obviously one of the feel-good stories of the draft. Uh, I think Baltimore did pretty well, Higgins. I'd say the Lions, too. Yeah, okay, Lions. uh, Some people saying the Colts did really well as well, even without that day one pick, or the Mm -hmm. first-round pick. So uh, there were definitely some winners. And then, you know, uh, there were some head-scratchers for sure. New England, uh, you know, left a few people scratching their head, trading up for uh, the Thornton out of Baylor in uh, day two. They also well, not drafted just that, the but Chattanooga. Yeah, exactly. Strange. Come on now. Strange. Higgins. Sorry, strange. Uh, they drafted yeah. a different guy named Strong. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, some winners, some losers. But truthfully, you won't have any idea until about like three or four years into this thing, right? 
Absolutely. The only thing that in terms of betting value that you can take from this is if you were really happy with how one of these teams drafts went, maybe you think it sways them on a win total and you end up taking them on an over win total compared to before the draft. But I don't know. It's still too far away from me. I liked the Giants draft. Day one kind of carries their draft card, though, as you go further down. I mean, Wandale Robinson, a wide receiver they picked on day two. Good pick. Some people are saying they may have reached for him a little bit, but Brett, you and I have said in years past, if that's your guy and you don't know if you're going to get to him in round three or in the ne- with your next pick, it's it's not insane to necessarily go for that stretch, especially with the Giants who traded back twice it to begin round two and then just sat there finally and made their pick. Yeah, I, I think a big thing that's missed like in the draft process, right, is we sit here for months and months reading so-and-so's mock draft and so-and-so's mm-hmm. top rankings. Well, you know, unfortunately for so-and-so or fortunately for so-and-so, you know, they don't work for the Ravens and the Colts and the Jaguars. So all these teams are going to have different rankings, Higgins, of these players and what they believe. So, yeah, it makes sense that a lot of these mocks are incorrect because, uh, you know, they're getting information from agents, maybe trying to boost their player stock. Maybe they're getting a smoke screen from a team. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's definitely real that, uh, you know, the mock drafts and whatever, the insiders mocks don't always match up with the real thing and the biggest drops or surprises i think that we saw this wasn't supposed to be a quarterback draft or a really strong one but to only have one quarterback go in the first round that it doesn't happen very often in the nfl and for it to be kenny pickett falling all the way to the steelers in the 20s you and i last episode we were talking about the Uh, Carolina Panthers, maybe the New Orleans Saints picking him. We didn't think he was going to fall maybe past 13 with the Saints. He falls into the 20s and is the only quarterback in the first round to a lot of people's surprise. Yeah, um, I think, you know, the biggest surprise was Malik Willis ends up being the third quarterback taken Mm -hmm. and he has to wait till the third round. I told you I was high on Ritter. Yeah, you were high on Ritter. So, I, I mean, look. I think uh, for Willis, he's in a good situation in the sense that he's not expected to start day one. Uh, And I hope he can develop into the franchise quarterback, you know, that teams thought he could potentially be, or that at least fans thought he could potentially be uh, coming into the draft. So, um, look, I'm rooting for him. His draft day story, uh, you know, is kind of a tough one. I'm sure it wasn't the weekend he envisioned, but um, he has every opportunity now in front of him to make the most of it. And uh, look, some other quarterbacks went to some interesting situations. People were pretty high on the Western Kentucky kid, Zappi. Uh, so he ends up uh, going and getting drafted by the Patriots. He'll now be a most likely a career backup, right, mm-hmm. to behind Mac Jones, the first-round pick a year ago. So we'll see what happens here, Higgins, but definitely a lot of interesting stories from the quarterback position. Sam Howell goes in the fifth round, Higgins, uh, but pairs up with a wide receiver. He threw 20 touchdowns to in college, so uh, lots of fun storylines. And Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, the quarterback out of Iowa State, so... 
Who knows? Maybe he doesn't become so irrelevant. Maybe he works his way onto a roster and finds his way onto the field. But I think, yes, it was surprising to see these quarterbacks fall the way they did. But I think it could be beneficial for a lot of these guys. I mean, you look at Desmond Ritter, who's going to Atlanta. He's not going to have the pressure to probably start day one with Marcus Mariota there. Ritter will be able to acclimate himself to the system and be able to get in when he's ready. Malik Willis in Tennessee, he doesn't really have much pressure to take that role from Ryan Tannehill right out the gate. In fact, Tannehill is expected to make so much more money next year. This might be one of those contract moves that they're hoping Malik can sit for a year, and then instead of having to pay Ryan Tannehill all that money next year, they can just move on to Malik Willis. Yeah, we will see. We will see what happens there, but let's get into some bets, Higgins. Absolutely. Let's talk about some NBA, and we had some very interesting games, and that Sixers game that was your Levy lock, Brett, it closed out, but the Sixers, they're now going to be without Joel Embiid for at least game one and game two because of an orbital bone fracture and a concussion. That has me a little worried, Brett. How worried would you be for the Sixers with that news? So he's going to be reevaluated after game two before game three when the series comes back to Philadelphia. I imagine by that time the concussion symptoms will have subsided. And uh, he'll be able to play with a face mask kicking. So, um, look, I think he'll be effective. I think he'll be a good player. Face mask might bother him a little bit, but uh, he'll fight through it in the postseason. And, yeah, I'm a little concerned. This is now a guy with a thumb injury and a face injury, uh, both pretty severe. So, um, look, it's not an ideal situation for the Sixers, but... You play the the hand you're dealt, Higgins. The Heat are beat up as well, to be fair. They've got Jimmy Butler dealing with some stuff. They've got uh, Caleb Martin and P.J. Tucker and Kyle Lowry all dealing with stuff as well. So uh, I use stuff because I can't go down all five injury problems (laughs) on them off the top of my head, Higgins. But, like, one's a hamstring, and another one's an ankle, and something Both with teams a quad. are definitely banged Yeah, up. exactly. So, these guys are all dealing with some injury problems. Um, I think it's really unfortunate that the Sixers will be without Embiid for the first two games in the series, though. It's obvious where the weight falls, though. It falls on to James Harden, and whether he's able to rebound from his kind of cold end of the regular season and then um Toronto guarded him and contained him pretty well James Harden's going to be the difference maker for the Sixers on whether or not they can win this series and to me I don't know if they necessarily have to win either of the first two games without Joel Embiid if they can split those without him that is a big move for the Sixers but if Harden can just get back into the swing of things, get back into a hot hand a little bit. That'll put the Sixers in a much better place. You mentioned how the Heat are injured as well. And so I look at these semifinals matchups odds, Brett, and the Sixers at plus 260, it just seems like good value to me, even with Joel Embiid's injury status. If he comes back in Game 3, I think that's superb value. If, let's say, the swelling doesn't go down or there's something that prevents him with the concussion protocol from getting back by Game 3, obviously the Heat 
at minus 350 are the better advantage there. I'm banking on the fact that Joel Embiid is going to be back for Game 3. And I'm also banking on the fact that James Harden is going to have to show up now. And without Joel Embiid being option 1A to James Harden's 1B, we've seen what Harden can do when he is option 1A. And he's clear-cut option 1A. And the Rockets, he was able to do that for a long time. Can he do that in Philadelphia, though? That's the question. Yeah, um, you know, Higgins, I, I gotta be honest. Don't love that bet, but I'm rooting for you. Uh, okay. I, 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 I read the series differently. I think Miami's the favorite in the series for a reason. Uh, and I think the Embiid injury, you know, 80% of Embiid is better than most, but, uh, you know, my Miami's just got this thing, Higgins, heat culture that I really buy into. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think a beat up and bead Harden has not looked very good this year uh, in a Sixers uniform. So, um, we'll see what happens. You'd certainly, uh, are, are reading it right. If you believe Embiid comes back and is the difference maker, uh, that we think he can be, but, um, I'd be nervous that he might be coming back down over two already. It, that very well may be the case. I just, I think that James Harden's going to have to step it up, and I think he will in at least one of those games. It'll be interesting to see. You're right, the Heat obviously are the favorites with where we're looking at this right now with the injury news. What's interesting to me, though, Brett, is if you take a look at the Celtics-Bucks semifinals matchup, because they already played game one on Sunday afternoon, and the Bucks won, so they have a one-game series lead. Game two is going to be in Milwaukee as well. And if you look at the line, the Bucks are only minus 125 favorites over the Celtics to win this series. Now, yes, the Bucks are without Chris Middleton because of his MCL sprain. But I believe that Giannis is going to still be able to come out of this series. And with an injured Joel Embiid... To me, honestly, I think the Bucks still might be the favorite to come out of the East. I understand what we saw from Boston and that they are riding high off of that Brooklyn series, but I don't know if they can do that again against Giannis. I just don't. Yeah, so this game's actually in Boston, uh, game two, Higgins. Oh, uh, okay, yes. Yeah, they're, they're in Boston, but uh, yeah, I think uh, very high likelihood the Celtics bounce back in game two. Um, to be honest, I don't love the four and a half, which is actually why I'm taking the Buck side plus four and a half. I think, you know, pretty decent shot. The Bucks could win again. Um, but uh, four and a half points seems like a lot for Boston. So I would say this. I probably like Boston to win the game. I probably like Milwaukee to keep it within two possessions. Mm-hmm. And that's a Tuesday game. I, I like that spread at plus four and a half. Grabbing that early line, I think, might favor you well, Brett, as we get through Monday and it might get a little closer. I'm looking at the Monday series, though, and the opener between the Sixers and the Heat. And I'm also going to put my money where my mouth is there. Sixers plus seven and a half. It just feels like everyone's fading the Sixers because they don't have Joel Embiid. And maybe it's rightfully so. Maybe I am playing contrarian and I'm in a small minority here. 
But seven and a half points feels like a lot. I feel like James Harden's being overlooked, and with his back against the wall in this type of situation, I expect him to step up, and even if the Sixers don't win, to at least keep it close. That's four possessions. Yeah, I mean, you're you're betting big on Harden here. I Look, Harden's been a really great player during his NBA career. He has come up uh, short in a lot of big playoff moments. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. So, I mean, you know, feel free. God bless you. Uh, I think seven and a half is a big number as well. But you will not catch me backing these Sixers right now. Now, that's, that's not to say they can't win. That's not to say they can't be competitive. That's not to say... Harden can't play well. Um, I just think, you know, if something happens 70% of the time, that means 30% of the time it doesn't happen, but 30% is also the minority. And maybe my reasoning is wrong, but my pick is right. And it's not James Harden that improves, but Tyrese Maxey steps up like we've seen him time again this year. Yeah, it could be Maxey. Maybe Tobias Harris plays really well. So, you're right, Higgins. There are plenty of other people on this team who can step up. Absolutely. The the Mavericks-Suns game also on Monday, that should be an interesting one. And then the Warriors-Grizzlies on Tuesday, Brett. That was an interesting game down the stretch on Sunday night. The Warriors were able to escape with a one-point victory, but John Morant had an opportunity with a layup at the end that just missed. I mean, the Grizzlies nearly had that. Yeah, uh, that was a very exciting game down the end. Uh, Jared Jackson Jr. was, like, not missing shots the entire second half, Higgins. He was unbelievable from three, making them all. So, look, we had the exciting finish with Clay Thompson missing a few three free throws and then getting the, uh, you know, game-sealing defensive whatever, closeout, whatever you want to call it, contest. Uh, on John Morant on that layup. So uh, a lot of highs, a lot of lows in this game. Draymond Green was ejected early uh, on a questionable call. So uh, lots of stuff happening in that Memphis game one. Lots of excitement. Uh, Jordan Poole had a 30-point game for the Warriors Higgins. So um, I look forward to watching the rest of this series. It's going to be a blast. I do too. I mean, John Morant really was able to pick it back up in the second half of that series against Minnesota. And he came into this game one just steamrolling. I mean, he had over 30 points. It'll be interesting, though, Brett. If I look at who I expect to be in the NBA Finals now after watching the beginning of these playoffs, Bucks and Warriors at plus 450. I'm not going to take it, but that interests me. I, I, I could see Giannis versus Steph in this Finals. All right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to predict the finals this early, Higgins. I'm going okay. to keep my hot takes cool today. All right. I have an MLB pick I want to jump into as well. I mean, we had some good baseball this weekend. If you listened to us last episode, I told you to go to social media because I've been taking the under bets on every single game the past few days. And... Let me give you an update on how that's going, because so far, I did miss one of those days because I didn't get my bets in in time, so I just called the entire day a wash. I'm either going to bet all of the days, all the games in a day, or none of them. And so, five of the past six days, I've been able to place these bets. 
And if it wasn't for today, Brett, <laughs> if it wasn't for today, I'd be doing pretty good. But overs galore on Sunday went from being up three and a half units through four days of worth of betting to now down six and a half, seven units worth. So I'm hoping Monday scaries or Sunday scaries create some unders on Monday because Sunday saw a lot of runs. Yeah, no, that is uh, quite the the turn of events there, Higgins. Wow, lots of runs on Sunday. I'm going through the Sunday scoreboard. Mets scored nine. Baltimore scored nine. It was Minnesota not a day for unders. Nine. Yeah, Seattle scored seven. Uh, you know, Chicago and Milwaukee did their part for you, Higgins. That game mm-hmm. was two nothing. I went three and eleven though. Yesterday I went eleven and four. Actually, I think I went three and twelve. Now that that Mets one's officially yeah, uh, I lost mean, now too for me. Yeah, I went three I, and twelve today on it. Yeah, I mean, look at these teams. Colorado puts ten across. Uh, St. Louis seven, Washington eleven. I mean, you had the Nats score eleven runs against the uh, the Giants. That's a tough day. Yeah, single teams are covering these overs on their own on Sunday, which made it very hard for me. That's absolutely right. Definitely. I'll be back at it again on Monday, though. I'm going to do it again this week. We'll we'll keep evaluating episode by episode to see if I continue it. But there is a game I do want to talk about on Monday, Brett. And it's the New York Yankees traveling up to see the Toronto Blue Jays. This is going to be an interesting series Every time we get it this year, I think the Yankees and the Blue Jays are my top two in the AL East fighting for who's going to probably be at the top of this division at the end of the year. And the Blue Jays, it's early, but they're playing phenomenal at home. They're 9-4 and four at home. They just beat the Astros tonight to take a 2-1 series uh, win over the Astros before they host the Yankees on Monday. And... For some reason, the Yankees are the favorites, which is good for me because the Blue Jays, when they are underdogs to start the year, they are 5-2. and two. We have Jordan Montgomery on the mound against Ross Stripling. Neither of those pitchers are why I'm picking this. I'm picking the Blue Jay bats to just outscore the Yankees in this one, and I'm taking Toronto minus 105 on the money line. Yeah, well, Higgins, you asked, why is New York the favorite? They've won nine straight baseball games. They have the best record in the major leagues. Uh, They've been beating up on some bottom feeders, but that's okay. Nine straight is nine straight wins. Uh, No one can take those wins away from you. And lucky for the Yankees, Ross Stripling uh, is not the Blue Jays' ace or anything like that. So, I think you're right, Higgins. I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair with these two pitchers on the mound, Montgomery and Stripling, and these two offenses. So, um, look, should be a fun few days in Toronto between the Yankees and Blue Jays, two teams we expect to be competing in the AL East. And uh, my advice, kind of what you're doing, Higgins, is I would just take the dog every day because <laughs> it's pretty much even, you know, it's pretty much 50-50 split between these two. So, uh, look, Monday you're getting the home dog. I'd take it. If for some reason the pitching matchup really sways the, the line into the Blue Jays' favor, I would just take the Yankees that day. 
I agree. And you mentioned the Yankees. They're on a nine-game win streak. That's a very good point. However, Brett, the Yankees have not played a game on turf yet this season. This is going to be their first game on turf, so we'll see if that has any effect to maybe their fielding. Maybe they get an error or something. Maybe it changes up a little bit. But Toronto, they're 9-4 and four at home, 9-4 and four on turf. So I'm just going to be back in the home, guys, for this game. But I agree with what you're saying. Taking the underdog in this series is probably the smart call. Yeah, take, just take the Daily Dog, right? That seems like the move. I think absolutely you're right there. Jumping into the NHL, Brett, because surprisingly we actually had one more NHL game on Sunday night to end the regular season. It was between Seattle and Winnipeg. Now the NHL playoffs officially begin. It's the Stanley Cup, baby, and there's no better playoff format than this, is there, Brett? No, Stanley Cup playoffs are uh, always some of the most fun games. I will be dialed into the Rangers on Tuesday night uh, as they take on the Penguins. Uh, That's going to be a series. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think the East really competitive this year. Um, you know, in the West, I think a lot of people expect the Avs, but anything can happen in the NHL playoffs, Higgins. Absolutely anything can happen. And just like I've been taking some futures in the first round of the NBA series, and I did it again with the semifinals, I'm going to test my luck in the NHL as well. I've got two different picks here, Brett, for round one, and they're both one's going to be in the West, one's going to be in the East. My Western pick is between the Wild and the Blues. The Wild are the two seed, St. Louis is the three seed, and justifiably so with those seedings, the Wild are slight favorites at minus 165. However, if you look at how these teams played during the regular season, the Blue Jays won three times and lost zero times. So the Blue Jays have the Wild's number. Do I expect them to sweep this series? No, but I think they're going to be competitive. I think they're going to be able to absolutely have a chance against this Wild team. And at plus 135, I think that's a pretty good value. Yeah, I uh, I can't say you laid out any reasons why it shouldn't hit, other than the fact that we see crazy upsets all the time in these playoffs. Um, and you know what, Higgins? Your next bet is one I really like, uh, mm-hmm. just to be honest. So that's the one I have more of an opinion on. Uh, no disrespect to the Blues Wild Series, Higgins. Sure, it'll be a great series. But I'd be lying to you if I watched. I've actually watched one wild game this year. I was they, the Rangers played the Wild on Henrik's jersey retirement night. So I was at that game. <laughs> the Wild won. So I think the Wild are pretty good. But, um, you know, I haven't watched that much of the Blues. I did see the Blues a little bit on an East Coast trip. Maybe it was like January, February where they were struggling. But... That, that's not representative of their season because they were a pretty strong team this year. Yeah, I mean, getting all three wins against the Wild. Granted, two of those games did go to overtime, but the Blues, I think, definitely have a chance in that one. But I understand, Brett, you're an East Coast guy. I understand why you'd want to talk about the East Coast matchup between Toronto and Tampa Bay. And for me, Brett, it's the fact that the Maple Leafs, they're cursed. It, the, the curse might not take effect in the first round, but th- they're cursed since the last time they won the Stanley Cup in 1967 because 
only 20,000 of the Toronto fans showed up to that parade because the Maple Leafs were winning so much back then that they were expecting that they were going to get another parade pretty soon, kind of like Boston in the 2000s. But the Lightning at plus 100 here as the underdogs is surprising to me because the Maple Leafs history in the playoffs is that atrocious. The Lightning also... They're 2-2 two and two against the Maple Leafs so far this season in the regular season, so it's pretty equal. I understand why the Lightning are plus 100 and the Maple Leafs are minus 120, but I can't in good faith back Toronto in the playoffs. I just I can't do it. No, I, I think that's fair, Higgins. I think, um, look, if you have a 16-season playoff losing streak, uh, I think... You know, that says something about where your franchise at. That's a big weight on your shoulders. These players are going to feel it. Um, and look, the Lightning are coming off back-to-back Stanley Cup championships. So this is a team that knows how to get it done in the postseason. Um, you know, they're going to have a healthy Stamkos, too. So that's that's an advantage for the Lightning. So I, I think the plus 100 number is a very good number, again. So I'm a big fan of this bet. I think the Lightning should be the favorites personally, but Brett, you're absolutely right. That is going to be hanging over the head of the Toronto coaching staff, of the players, of the fans in that arena for those games. They can say as much as they want that it doesn't affect them, it doesn't bother them, they're not thinking about it, but in the back of their mind, subconsciously or consciously, it's there. They are aware of this streak that that team has. Yeah, it's been a brutal run for the Leafs, so uh, I like I like the the Lightning here plus one hundred. I I like that bet, Higgins. All right, well I can't wait to tune in on Monday for some playoff hockey, some playoff basketball, and for my MLB pick, Brett. Let's jump into the Levy Lock pick of the pod, though, Brett, because I'm not going with the playoffs for my pick of the pod. I'm gonna go with the Blue Jays money line, like we were talking about in that Yankees Blue Jays series that's starting on Monday. Maybe just take whoever's the underdog in that matchup because of how well both these teams are playing. But to start the series, the home team Blue Jays are the underdog. They are nine and four at home, and the Yankees have not played on turf yet this season. So I'm I'm backing Toronto. I love it. Higgins is going to the turf in a baseball game. He's saying the turf makes the difference. We will find out. Higgins, I only made one bet on this podcast, so it's obviously going to be my Levy Lock. I think the Bucks keep it close in Boston on Tuesday night. Uh, plus four and a half is the number right now. Bucks won game one pretty handedly, so we'll see what happens here, Higgins. Uh, I think Boston probably wins game two, but I think the Bucs keep it within two possessions. I think that's going to be a very good game. It's going to be a fun series to watch with how well Boston performed against Brooklyn. I think they're going to give Milwaukee a shot, but I think Milwaukee's got that series as I, as I gave out with my futures pick. <laughs> Fair enough. Make sure to follow us on social media, though, at NBBPod on Twitter, at NextBestBet on Instagram, and the NextBestBet Facebook page and YouTube channel. This has been Episode 201 of the NextBestBet. For Brett, I'm Jake. We'll talk to you guys again soon.